You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. A mission. Last week we were talking about a mission and the mission of the believer and making sure that we are living a life that's mission-oriented. But when I look at my life and I look at all that's going on and the busyness of it, it's easy not to be mission-oriented because so often we get caught up with all the other responsibilities of life. And they, they sort of squash and push out the actual things that we know are mission-oriented. So look with me now, Jude chapter 20, or Jude 1, 20 and 21, our theme verses. We looked at these earlier today. Keep your Bibles out. We're going to look at a lot of verses. All right, Jude 20 and 21. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And that's that building up ourselves. Why are we building up ourselves? It is so we can be a better uh, vessel to be able to serve the Savior. It's not, it's, it's not about just us having self-satisfaction. It is that we are building up ourselves so we bring more glory to God. We can serve Him uh, the way He would want us to. Take your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Told you, we're going to look at a lot of verses. Romans chapter 12, and look with me at verse number 1. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, when we think about mission, we have to think about the will of God for my life. And as I mentioned this morning, God has a will for your life. He has a will for your life. He has a plan for your life. Moms, dads, he has a plan for your life, and he has a plan for your children's lives. He's got a plan. I think about little Samuel, uh, and just uh, uh, as, I, as I pray for our kids, I uh, think about Samuel, and, and Samuel was taken, he was an answer to prayer, and Hannah took that little baby and, and took him to the temple after he was weaned and, and put him under the leadership of Eli. Now, I'm thankful we're not in the Old Testament, all right? Uh, we're not raising your children for you. Uh, we will help you raise your children. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, I had, I had some parents show up at my door uh, on many occasions, but one, one night, it was about 3 a.m., they're pounding on my front door, and I go to the front door, not knowing what in the world is going off, uh, going on, and here they were, they were like, okay, he's yours, 
and they started to walk away, and a mom and dad were going to just leave their teenager with me, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I didn't bring them into this world, uh, and uh, now I'm going to help you, but, uh, but this is not a halfway house, and I'm not going to raise your children for you. Well, Eli literally raised Samuel. But when you look at the environment, Eli, he had two sons that were wicked, and moms and dads, he did not restrain them. And what a sad state. If we do not discipline our children and teach them and train them, and they live wickedly, the disgrace they bring to, to the name of God. And here, Eli, though, though his sons were wicked, Samuel still turned out right. What a blessing. What a blessing it is that God can protect the kids, no matter what the environment is. He can protect them, and I'm thankful for that. But, but we, we think here about uh, Romans chapter 12, we think about the will of God, proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, uh, if you have ever gone uh, shooting or uh, you know target practice, uh, you'll go and uh, and there's these. You'll have a silhouette or a target, and, and with that, uh, you shoot into this thing, uh, and uh, you want to hit paper. All right, you want to hit the target, uh, and 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 so when we look at here at proving what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, good is at least hitting the target. It's not bad. All right, it's not the best, but it's not bad. It's not. It's within the lines of ex, it's. It's not sin. It's. It's not bad. So it's good, not bad. Uh, and and so uh, sort of like sometimes food. You know, when you, when you go to eat something and somebody says, here, do you want some? It's not bad. You know, when you have to predicate food is not bad, why do I want to eat it? I want to eat food that's good. I don't want to eat food, food that's eh, not bad. Uh, so anyway, here uh, you have the good and then you have the acceptable. Now this is, this is drawing that line in. So the acceptable will of God. So you have the good will of God, the acceptable will of God, and then you have that perfect will of God. That's the bullseye. You know, in life, we want to shoot for the bullseye. I wish I could say I always hit the bullseye. I don't. But in our mission, that should be the focus. It shouldn't be, well, you know, I just... I'll just do something good. You know, it's not bad. I'm doing something good for the Lord. No, you, you want to make sure that you're doing the perfect will of God for your life because in that, that's where the blessings are. That is uh, where we enjoy uh, all that God has for us. And, and so there's a mission proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And, and all of us are going to be, uh, as we are trying to serve, sometimes we're not going to hit the perfect mark. Sometimes we're going to be off, and, and we'll find ourselves uh, off, but hopefully we still hit the target. Uh, I've been at uh, many uh, classes, shooting classes, and you'll have people that'll go, and uh, they're holding a firearm, and you're glad that they're, they're 
a little ways away because you can tell they had never handled a firearm before and uh, it's a little bit uh, unnerving. Uh, but, but they're pretty happy if they just hit paper. I'm not happy if I hit paper. I want to I hit the bullseye. I want to draw that target in uh, and, and make sure that I am, I am hitting uh, what I am aiming at. And, and that's how we ought to be with our life. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look with me at verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5. Verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And what is that saying? There is a goal for us, for us as a whole person to be serving the Lord. Not just part of us, not just a little bit of us, but body, soul, and spirit. God doesn't want a piece of us. He wants all of us. He wants all of us. He wants every bit of the life that He has given to us, and He wants us to use that life for Him, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, Go to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Verse 26. Luke 14, 26. The Bible says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and cometh after, come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, of course, we understand the Lord is not telling us that we need to hate uh, our father and our mother and our, our brothers and our, uh, our family. He's not saying that. He is saying that our love for other people should look like hate in comparison to our love for God. We should love God so much that even our love for other people is, is shadowed by that. It is dwarfed by that. Uh, and so uh, with that, though, you can't help but see that the expectation is that you and I, to be a disciple, to be a follower, a committed follower of Christ, we have to give Him everything. He wants all of us. You know, as I think about the military, and someone enlists in the military, and they go through basic training and boot camp, they go through all of the uh, different training uh, processes for the different uh, jobs that they are going to have, and all of that training and all of that energy is preparing them for a mission. You know, in peacetime, there's preparation even though there's no war. 
It is just in case. It is just uh, in case something comes up that they will be prepared and that they will be ready. But each individual, as they go in and they sign up, they are saying, I am giving all of me. It's not like they say, well, you know what, uh, I'll give you this, but that's it. You know, when somebody signs on that dotted line for the military, they become Uncle Sam's property. You know, you and I, we belong to the Lord. If you're a child of God, you belong to the Lord. What? No, you're not. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. And you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And you and I are to be bringing glory to the Lord uh, with our life. And so uh, when we look at this, we see that there is a plan of the Almighty, and His plan is not a small plan. His expectations are not a small expectation. He doesn't want just a little bit. He wants all of us. And as God... As our Savior, doesn't He deserve that? He does. And there isn't a person here that doesn't believe that. We believe, we understand. Uh, if you're saved tonight, you understand that uh, we belong to Him. He, he died on the cross for us to purchase salvation so we could have eternal life. Uh, now uh, God is our Father and Jesus is our Savior and uh, heaven is going to be our home and uh, we, have, uh, we are uh, heirs of the Father, joint heirs with the Son. So uh, we understand as a believer that Everything belongs to the Lord in our life. And when we look at uh, His sovereign plan, uh, the plan of the Almighty, we know He has a big plan. And then we look at the priorities that He has for our life. It doesn't always seem possible. It almost seems unattainable. Now, let me ask you a question. Is God's plan unattainable? Boy, it's quiet. It's not unattainable. He doesn't give us, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, He, he gives, doesn't give us anything that we cannot bear. He doesn't expect us to do anything that we cannot do. You know, when, when David was younger, and we would have uh, things that would be, we, we had about an uh, acre and a quarter, and we had uh, uh, just so, a little bit of property, and we had uh, things to, uh, a lot of work to do out there, and uh, there were times where I'd have him carry stuff and, and help me. But, you know, when, when he was a toddler, or when he was four or five years old, I didn't expect him to do what he could do when he was a teenager. God, God, God doesn't expect us to do something we cannot do. But He does expect us to do what we can do. So, if I am going to be His disciple, 
I really need to know what is his plan for my life. It's not mystical. It's not unattainable. And it's not unrealistic. Take your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. So we're just sort of having a talk here tonight. Uh, keep your minds open. Don't turn me out. Uh, but I want, want you to sort of see this. We're laying some groundwork that I think will be a help to all of us as we look at just our theme, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. And so I want to help grow us tonight. I want to help. This is meat tonight. I'm not, giving you, I'm not giving you milk tonight. I'm giving you some meat tonight. So I want you to, to grab a hold of it because this, this philosophy that we're laying out will help set a, a picture and set a direction uh, for all of us. Uh, Matthew 11, verse 28. Matthew eleven twenty eight. we'll read through verse 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so here, when we look at this, the Lord is talking, and he is saying, listen, I want you to take my yoke upon you. I want you to get into the work, uh, the work uh, mechanism alongside me. A yoke was a tool that was used to tie different uh, burden-bearing uh, ox or cattle together, and they would put that yoke on them uh, so they could could uh, use the power of both of them to accomplish a job. And the Lord said, "I want you to take my yoke." God says, "Get in the yoke with me." God. God didn't come to give us rest. God came and said, come to work with me. And ye shall find rest. Do you ever stop and think, man, I need to find some rest. And usually when we find ourselves in that place, almost always, not all the time, but a lot of the time, it's because our priorities are out of place. And we are spending so much time on other things that we're in every other yoke, but in the yoke with the Lord. And here he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doing God's will is not a burden. Let me say that again. Everybody slap yourself, wake up. All right, do I need to turn the air conditioning down? All right, so uh, God's work is not a burden. It's an honor to serve the Lord. It is an honor to serve the Lord. It's not a burden to serve the Lord. I'm not saying that we cannot be overwhelmed. I'm not saying that sometimes we have a, a load on us that is, seems insurmountable, and sometimes we're carrying a burden that we don't feel like we can, uh, we can handle. But let me tell you, if we are in the yoke with the Lord, He can carry a whole lot more than I can carry. And He knows how much we can carry. 
And he knows how much strength we have. And he can lift and help carry the majority of that burden so we can succeed and finish the job that he has called us to. So uh, with that then, uh, we've talked about our priorities. What are the priorities? I'm just going to, we'll look at just five priorities. There's a lot of things that can fall under these. But just as a believer, five priorities. We talked about these just a couple weeks ago. Uh, What are the priorities of a Christian? Number one is to love and glorify God. Love and glorify God. That that is the primary uh, priority that we have. There's not a point up on the screen, so uh, don't wait for it. They've not missed anything. All right. Uh, the the primary uh, priority is to love and glorify God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first and great commandment. Uh, so so loving the Lord uh, that is primary. Mary. Uh, the Bible says that whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. We are here to glorify God, to love Him and glorify Him. Revelation 4.11, for thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor uh, and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. What do we find? We find that, that God has made us for a purpose, and in that purpose, it is to bring glory and honor to him in that mission it is to bring glory and honor to him so first of all priority is to love and glorify God number two is our family we we need to make sure our family is not neglected that's a priority Men, it's not your wife's job to take care of the family and your job just to work. God is going to hold you accountable for your family. I'm not saying that it's not a shared work together, but it's not one. And it's not the other. This is, the priority is your family. That, that's a God-given priority. He... He has given you a family. Now, maybe you're here and you're, you're a teenager. There's a responsibility. And, and with that, even as a young person, there's responsibility to your family. Amen. You know, this uh, being, being a child does not mean that you don't have to have any responsibility. As a teenager, as a child... You have responsibility to your family to help take care of the responsibilities within your home. Amen. I mean, part of the responsibilities, it's not all mom's job to take care of everything. Boy, it's quiet right there. And moms, it's your job to help make sure your kids know what they're supposed to do. They won't pick up the responsibility if mom and dad aren't teaching. We are all lazy by nature. Amen. We're sort of quiet tonight. But you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you have a toddler, they can help with laundry.
Come on now. You, you're telling me that they can't pick up clothes and drag them to the laundry? They can. They might not be big enough to put it in. You give them a stool and they'll put it in and they'll have fun doing it. Kids think work is fun until we tell them otherwise. We teach and train them that work is a dirty word. It's not, work is not a punishment. Uh, we do dishonor and, dis, and injustice to our kids when we make them work for a, for a punishment. Work is not a punishment. It's, it's a, a great opportunity. It's a part of life, training. Uh, so our family, uh, so loving and glorifying God. Uh, secondly, family. Number three, church. Church. Church is a part of the believer's life. It's a central focus of the believer's life. You see it all through the New Testament. And, and you cannot be right with God and wrong with his church. Let me say that again. You cannot be right with God and wrong with his church. It's true. You can't, you can't disenfranchise yourself from the church and act as if everything is okay, because it's not. It's not. And, and the church is the body of Christ. It is the local assembly. Now, one day, all churches will be assembled together as we, when we get to heaven. But until then, we have local bodies of believers, independent local New Testament churches. And, and this church is to function as a unit. And for every one of us, we are to be engaged in the service of the Lord as a part of this body to accomplish the mission that the Lord has set for this church, and we get to be a part of it. Uh, he, has, he has some uh, as the, uh, the eye, the nose, the ear, the toe. Uh, he breaks it down in Corinthians, and he shows how, how the different body parts and all of them collectively working together, and that's how the church is. Uh, there are those that ha have more comely parts, uh, but, but all of us together, corporately, collectively, are to be serving the Lord. And what are we to be doing as a church, we're to seek sinners. The mission of the church isn't in here. Come on now. The mission of the church is not in here. The mission of the church is out there. And unfortunately, too many believers come to church as though this is the mission. This is where everything is done. It's not just about us learning. It's not just about us gleaning. It's not just about us being strengthened. Those things are important, but they are for the purpose of us going back out into the world and being equipped to be able to confront this world with the gospel, represent the Lord Jesus Christ, bring people to salvation. So, mission of the church is to seek sinners. Uh, the mission of the church is to serve the saints in the church as we are serving saints in the church. It's so we are taught, helped, strengthened to go, to go reach the lost. That's it. That's mission. And as we look at that as a church... You and I, and we look at our mission for our life, uh, we know the priorities that are to love God and glorify God, our family, our church. Then fourthly was our work or career. Now, I understand that work and career 
tie back to family to provide. The Bible says, if any provide not for his own, he is worse than an infidel. God says, if you don't provide for your family, God says, you are worse than an unbeliever. That's why it's so important. We better be teaching our children how to work. When I was in Chicago, you go through these projects. And I remember going through the Robert Taylor homes. And I was in there and I'd go, go apartment level to apartment level in these projects. And I'd talk to people about the Lord and, and I'd find out their names and I was learning the names. And as I was learning these kids' names and these moms and i talked to them, uh, I'd hear this name, the last name come out. And then I'd be on the next uh, level and I'd hear that name come Hey, are you related to so-and-so? Oh yeah, that's my brother. And then you go up to the next level. Oh yeah, that's my sister. And it was five, fa- five j- different families from one person. And you had generation after generation, grandparents and moms and dads and children and everybody generationally on the system and not working. You know, that's, that's not God's plan. So, so we understand work is important. But now let's go back in our mind to our text first. Bible says that you cannot you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and Mammon. And so then we start to wonder majority of our time that we have awake is working. Doesn't it sort of seem like sometimes we're just serving Mammon? I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm just working to work to get the money to survive. Where does this fit in with God's plan for my life? Because work is a part of it. Fifthly, a priority is for rest, relaxation, hobbies, entertainment. Just fun. Nothing wrong with fun. We should enjoy the life that God has given to us. But that's not the focus. That's not the mission. It's a byproduct. And as we're serving the Lord, we are going to have a lot of fun. Okay, now, say, Pastor, all this was introduction. So, can I do all of this and be successful at work and not serve mammon? Sort of a hard one, isn't it? The Lord said, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So when you're at work, whatsoever the hand findeth to do, do it mightily as unto the Lord. So everything we're doing, we're supposed to be doing the best that we can. So when it comes to work, and I'm doing the best that I can at work, in order to succeed, is that serving mammon? Or is there a mission here 
that we're missing. And we're going to start a series. I'm going to get in here, just give you a few thoughts here. Is God big enough to guide me to the right job? You mean my job can be a part of God's plan? Say, well, I'm working in an office. Oh, God can't use that for His glory? Well, I'm digging ditches. Well, you mean mean that God isn't big enough to figure out how to lead you to the right job for a mission that He wants to accomplish? I'm remodeling houses. How can that be God's will? You mean God can have a perfect will for my life that's not full-time ministry? He can, and He does. You know, if all of us were in the, the ministry, I'd have nobody to preach to. But the reality is, all of us should be in the ministry, just not as a full-time job. But all of us should be in ministry. So is God big enough to lead, to guide me to the right job? Number two, is God big enough to teach and equip me to have the tools I need to serve Him? So, when you go to work, maybe there's, there are things that God is teaching you and equipping you with that He wants you to be able to use for Him. Is God big enough to be able to figure all that out? I believe He is. Take your Bibles, go to Exodus chapter 35. Exodus chapter 35. And we're going to look at several verses, and I'm just about done. Uh, it's okay. Uh, here, I'll put my Bible up there. I'm not going to close it yet, but uh, just, just for you to, to see it, give, give a little bit of hope. It's coming towards the end. Exodus 35, look with me at verse number 30. Uh, and Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and hath filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, to work in gold, and in silver, and in brass, and the cutting of stones, to set them, and the carving of wood, to make any manner of cunning work. And he hath put in his heart that he may teach both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Dan. Them hath he filled with wisdom of heart to work all manner of work of the engraver and of the cunning workman and of the embroiderer in blue and in purple, in scarlet and in fine linen and of the weaver, even of them that do any work and of those that devise cunning work. Then wrought, go to the next chapter, uh, then wrought Bezalel and Aholiab, and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that he had 
uh, that the Lord had commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Holiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. What do we find here? God, in his omniscience, he had a plan, and that plan included craftsmanship. That plan included laborers. That plan included skilled and unskilled laborers. When you you look at God's plan, what do we find? We find that God has used many things for his honor and for his glory. You know what he used in Esther's life? He used beauty. He used her beauty to attract her to the king. And in doing so, what do we find? We find the nation of Israel was spared. You see, God can use a rooster to bring conviction. He can use donkey uh, to bring conviction. Uh, God can use you and God can use me. God can use the tools that he has given to us when we start looking in the New Testament and you start looking at all the different trades that are there. Uh, We find the Apostle Paul was a tent maker. Uh, We find that there were other of the disciples uh, that were fishermen. We find disciples that were servants and just servants within the church that had different uh, strengths. Uh, we find uh, people that had had uh, brought uh, 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 different, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of, Dor- uh, was it Doris? Uh, I'm sorry, Dorcas. And she had made uh, some garments. Uh, and all of that was done for the glory of God. You know, you and I, the job that you do can be right in the mission of what he wants you to accomplish. You know, it's time for Christians to start living the mission on Monday. You know why we have a hard time living the mission on Monday? Because we completely disenfranchise it from the mission of the church and the mission as the believer. This is just another compartment of life. Let me tell you, God puts you where he wants you to be for a purpose. There are some co-workers that he wants you to be a light to. There's some people that need somebody just to love them. There's some people that need some encouragement. There's somebody that just needs to be there that represents the Lord Jesus Christ. And we go and uh, through our week, all week long, and, and we're doing our job, and uh, we're trying to get through, and then we think mission is on Saturday, or mission is on Sunday. Let me tell you, the biggest part of your mission is all the hours that you put in at work. Mission Monday. Tomorrow. There's a mission for you tomorrow. God's plan for you. The mission that God has for you. A part of that is your work tomorrow. 
It's part of God's plan for each and every one of us. We've got to recognize and understand that the mission isn't just the church assembly. The mission is reaching people. And the Lord is going to bring uh, people across our path uh, at work. And you can't work alongside somebody day in and day out without having an impact and an influence. And you could be representing the Lord Jesus Christ. And I understand you can't walk in and start preaching Christ. Turn in your Bible to the book of Revelation. I mean, you can't do that. Uh, but at the same time, you can represent truth. They start bringing up different issues and problems of life, and God can use you to be a help to them. I remember as a young man, I was a mechanic when I was in college, and I was a mobile mechanic, and we had uh, three, uh, two different shifts, uh, day shift, night shift. I was working days, and and, uh, and as I was working these, uh, these shifts, uh, one of the mechanics, he was in his mid-50s, and Bob was old. I was, I was 20 years old. And I remember Bob was the old guy. And, and so, uh, but Bob, he was always trying to get me to laugh at something dirty or something filthy. He was always trying to trip me up. You know, I, I remember just time after time, I was like, Bob, no, nope, don't want to hear that. And here I was in my 20s. He'd bring something up, and I'd try to, to just be a light. And I remember over and over again, there were a couple times where he'd start to ask some questions, and I'd start to get an opportunity to talk to him about the Lord, and he'd shut everything down. But here I was, 20 years old, and one day Bob came in and he said, hey, can we talk? And a 50, man in his 50s started asking questions and seeking counsel from a 20-year-old. You know what happened? God gave me the opportunity to give him the entire gospel. Now, he didn't pray right then, but what I do know is that was part of my mission. The people that I worked it with day in and day out, they weren't just somebody I worked with. They were part of the mission that God had for me. And it's time that each of us recognize that God's plan for you, God's mission for you, includes your job. Amen. It includes the people that we are coming in contact with. It, it includes uh, the amount of hours. It's not that this is just a waste of time and it's stopping me from serving God. No, my service of God includes that. Mission. Mission is not two hours on Saturday. Or a couple hours here and there within the week. The Lord said, if we didn't forsake all and follow him, we could not be his disciple. Well, if I have to give all to be his disciple and I'm working, then somewhere that work has to be part of that all. So how does your mission 
Change Monday. How does that switch flip? Well, we're going to start looking at that Mission Monday, incorporating our mission within our daily life, within our work time, those 40, 50 hours a week that you're putting in. That's mission. If everything that I do is to bring glory to God, then that has to include that mission. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your... Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.